0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Podpass. My name is Jackie.
1: And I'm Diksha. Today we have two guys from Portugal and Cyprus. So this is our last episode for Architecture Around the World. Yes,
0: so let us introduce Antónios from Cyprus and Tiago from Portugal. Hello guys, how are you doing?
2: Hello, hi. Doing very- great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, pleasure, you, pleasure. You. So let's start. Tell us all about your country, where you're from.
2: Okay, so I'm from Cyprus. <laughs> <laughs> Cyprus is the third largest island in the Eastern Mediterranean. Its architecture has been shaped by its geopolitical status. So it's a crossroad between Africa, Asia, and Europe, so kind of surrounded by three continents. There have been so many uh, cultures and historical empires that have been through Cyprus, like the Phoenicians, the Assyrians, Egyptians. We had the ancient Greeks. We had the Ottoman Empire, British Empire, all of the countries. So it's kind of like a melting <laughs> pot. <laughs> <laughs> one of its unique features is that uh, in Cyprus, you can find a Christian church, a mosque and a like a Gothic castle within the same town. So that's kind of like shows the blending of cultures in Cyprus. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, Cyprus is also mountainous in the center but it's surrounded by coastal area there's a rich flora and fauna i don't i don't know if i'm saying it right (laughs) (laughs) there's many endemic species in the island like are sea turtles and cyprus actually means bronze in greek so it's actually one of the most important historical emblems of cyprus like bronze mines since ancient times
0: Oh, fair! I like that we're learning a new language as well. I never knew Cyprus meant bronze in Greek. Did you know that, Dijkstra?
1: No, I absolutely didn't know that, and I actually went into Cyprus within two minutes, and it was a wonderful experience. Are you
2: been to Cyprus? No,
1: (laughs) just by your explanation, I just imagined it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And how about you, Tiago?
3: So, hello. Thanks for having me again. So, I live in Portugal. It's in on a peninsula uh, near Spain. And I live in the north, more to the countryside. And in my vision of where I live, I think it's a place very influenced by religion and stuff. So, the buildings there are all about religion and at least the old ones, not the new ones. The new architecture is... Is kind of changing that but in terms of, of temperature and stuff it's really similar to the one in portsmouth actually but it's not as cold but it's really similar i think yeah and, and the weather it's it's kind of sunny but it rains sometimes not <laughs> as many times as here in the uk but, but I, I, in my vision it's kind of similar
0: so because i'm i'm correct that you're back in portsmouth now so realistically like with the temperature it, it you still feel like you're home
3: yeah yeah I think it was it's been rainy these days in Portugal but not here it's been sunny here
0: you've come at a good timing then you've come back at a good time
3: yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> oh brilliant <laughs> okay so guys what's the, like, the unique characteristics uh, that make the architecture of of your country different from rest of the other countries in the world
2: so Cyprus as an island has been through many like phases and changes as I mentioned before with all the historical empires and colonizations but one thing that seems to remain very timeless here is the use of the Cypriot limestone which is a traditional type of stone and the use of pebble stones and asbestos which are making a comeback these traditional materials like recently I've been we've been renovating my home and we've actually been using this traditional type of stone because it's actually being popularized. A traditional technology that we use a lot in Cyprus is the uh, dry stone masonry, which is basically a method of construction that doesn't have adhesive. So it's like blocks of limestone that you stack on top of each other, but there's no gluing parts or binding parts. And this happens with very good and specific selection of Stones that will match each other. This is actually been used in Cyprus since ancient times, and it's proved to be very good for you know earthquakes, which kind of happen sometimes in Cyprus, and it's very anti-seismic. Also, we have the Cypriot vernacular architecture, which is mainly expressed through traditional rural homes, uh, which are you know modular unit blocks of houses. It's not only for shelter, but uh, we also keep livestock in, now I'm talking about traditional times, not modern times. (laughs) They respond very well to the climate as they're usually painted in a very light color to reflect the sun and not overheat the the architecture within. And there's many new up-and-coming technological strategies we use in Cyprus, such as the solar panels. We use them a lot because we, we get a lot of sun in Cyprus. And we're trying to make strides to a more uh, environmental future. And as a par- as a country of the European Union, it's very important to like you know use the G savings programs we're provided by the by the European Union. Okay. Yeah, that's all I have to say about the technological parts, <laughs> secret architecture. I can analyze it be more if, if it's uh, if you have any questions on that.
1: I have a question. You said you mentioned about the limestones. But, uh, do you Cyprus also have rains? Like, do you have rain and stuff?
2: In, in Cyprus, we don't get much rain. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned this because I was going to say but I forgot it. In Cyprus, you won't see pitched roofs because there's not a lot of rain or snow. It rarely rains. So usually our architecture has developed to be mostly flat roofs maybe with a slight pitch so the rain can fall off but it's very it's usually very sunny so our vernacular architecture tries to deflect the heat from the sun
1: okay because i was wondering about acid rain and how it will affect the limestone and how it will erode it so since you said that's no like not much rain i assume that like it doesn't like affect the materials and stuff
2: yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about the how much it would affect the specific type of materials, but I mean, we have a lot of ancient buildings as well in Cyprus that have, you know, are still standing, and I think it has it's, it's a testament to how good the material use is and uh, how it doesn't erode in a bad way. <laughs>
1: Okay, that's
0: that's quite interesting. That is. That yeah. is. And how about
3: you, Tiago? So uh I I do know that Portuguese architecture for it to exist, they had like lots of precedents. So through they went through many history periods like the Celtic, the Roman, the Gothic, the Baroque, the modern and then to the modern architecture. And I think that's one of the things that it's like a unique characteristic that I don't know if it's unique but it's like really cool that you can find like buildings from almost every one of those stages in Portugal still you can still find churches from the gothic from the baroque and from almost every stage I talked about and agree with a quote that it's from a portuguese architect he actually won a a pritzker prize and in english it would be like the future of architecture is the deconstruction I really think that's really interesting because when you look to Portugal, Portugal architecture, you look at old buildings usually. That is starting to, to change. Everything is starting to like become new. People are starting to deconstruct the, those old buildings and make new ones. And I, I, and I think like right now, it, it's like a, a big stage for that.
0: Okay. So when you're saying that it's going from like old to new buildings, would you say the new buildings are influenced by the Western culture in architecture wise? Or is it influenced by another country or?
3: I don't think there's like a, a, an influence from, from another country. Because we we also have like a really type of building. Like there's a way of making things in Portugal. That we use a lot of a thing called azulejos. It means a uh, blue tile. It's like painted tile that people used to put in houses, like in- everywhere.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: So we do have our, our kind of architecture, but t- right now it's getting like really influenced by the new materials and stuff like that, like concrete.
0: So as you both mentioned in your previous answer for the question, talking about materials, is there any particular material that is mainly used in the architectural designs where you live and why is that?
2: Yeah, actually, as I mentioned before, it's it's mainly the, the Cypriot traditional limestone, which is um, usually untreated in Cyprus. And um, as I said before, it was the the dry stone masonry technique that creates the um, the function of being and creating anti-seismic buildings in cyprus so so kind of like the materiality relates to the structure structural uh, quality of the buildings and um yeah because usually a stone is very it can break quickly it's very stable by bricks quickly so having it stacked up and being able to sway and move without having uh you know binding in between the stones creates this function
1: would you like to talk about what is like really like dry brick masonry
2: so basically it's a method of construction in which adhesive is not used and the stability uh, is, is ensured by the selection and adjustment of interlocking stones. So like, you know, you kind of need to find two blocks and stack them up each other that fit perfectly. So so there's no need to put any adhesive or binding with, uh, you know, I don't know what you usually is used for binding, but basically it's just sitting stacked up on each other, the blocks. That's why it's called dry masonry.
0: Oh, that is interesting. Do you guys get very heavy winds? Because would that interrupt the uh, the wall in general, with them being, you know, nothing binding them or anything?
2: I mean, obviously that this was a very old technique and traditional technique. I don't think it's used in uh, anymore in modern times. But I would imagine that it would help. The winds wouldn't really help it. But I think the purpose of its technologies is just for for the sway, in case of like a, uh, an earthquake. So I don't think it's it's very uh, technologically smart in nowadays because you know there will be heating laws and many other damages. But yeah, definitely. But but we don't have a lot of winds to be honest in Cyprus. Um, it's pretty dry and. Sunny, that's it.
0: (laughs) I mean, I mean, that sounds like a perfect holiday destination. Yeah, absolutely.
4: (laughs) You should come and visit.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. Before Tiago answers, um, like the mention, he was mentioning about the blue tiles thing, and uh, I rem- uh, Portuguese has had like invaded India, and I remember they still left uh their blue tile techniques in India. So there's a town in India that's like t- totally um totally inspired by Portuguese. So uh, while he was talking about it, he, I was remembering about it and it was, it's the whole town is blue and pink and it's so colorful and nice. It's totally like, if you go there, it's like you are in a mini Portugal. Yeah, oh, that's that, interesting.
3: That's true. Yeah, the, 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 they used to be like uh, really used to make houses and there's like a, a really famous train station in Portugal where tourists are always there like taking pictures of the those blue tiles it's really funny <laughs> i
0: was going to say small world well it's not a small world it's a big world, <laughs> it feels <like> small
4: world.
3: <laughs> so um about the materialist uh, materials question um i think stone would be the, like the right answer for this because the most used material because uh it's I live in a zone with a uh, lots of queries, so it's cheaper and more accessible, so people always pick that one. But I start to notice that concrete is like the future of the materials. I, I-, I start to think that almost every building that it's constructed like in the last five years, it's always concrete. They are stopping. They are stopping to use like the old material, like stone and.
1: Okay. So guys, is there any specific issues that your country aims to improve in the future regarding the infrastructure, such as like the problems such as global warming or homelessness?
2: Well, for the case of Cyprus, I would say Cyprus is starting to develop more. And we see a lot of new type of architecture coming in and... I believe that it's kind of ruining the place a little bit (laughs) but we see a shift of people moving back to the village and actually living in the vernacular typologies of architecture and I believe this is good for the environment as they're more energy efficient and there's less need for cooling or heating and as I mentioned before uh, Cyprus is is, is really taking advantage of the, of, uh, that it's a part of the European Union now. And they're making strides to become a more eco-friendly country in general. And the use of solar panels in, in houses that are built now uh, is very prominent. Like we installed ours two years ago. <laughs> so it's something that, you know, we try to, I believe in terms of the architecture, try to move forward to.
0: How about you, Tiago?
3: So I think one of the key factors for for eco-friendly buildings, it's like it's in the materials, in the energy and in the isolation. And I think like every time they start to make a new building, they always start to improve those three. And like they're starting to create like more eco-friendly buildings. About the the overpopulated buildings, I don't think we have a lot of that in Portugal, to be honest. We do have some sheltering programs to to try to st- stop stop that, but I don't think it's like a really serious problem. I think we're more f- more focused on the the eco friendly part.
0: Okay, no, that's fair. I mean, like now everyone's being more conscious with you know eco friendly and you know giving yeah. back to the world, and it sounds like that's what you guys are doing in Portugal. You're saying about using concrete as like a new material. The use of concrete now it's being used more and more do you feel like it's actually causing more damage to the ozone and emissions and yeah
1: yeah like heat getting trapped into concrete and stuff
3: yeah i don't don't really know about that but it's like in the north where i live we don't get like a really hot climate there oh, <laughs> it's okay. not really hot there so i i do live in a, in a building that's made of concrete now so I, we, it's not that hot, so I don't feel like that there's a, a big difference from living in a, in a normal house and in a concrete one. I, I don't think it's a, a great material to work with.
0: I mean, it's very flexible, so you can it make any, anything with it, really. I'm. yeah, <laughs> Is there any significant architecture within your area that you think is monumental and why do you think it's monumental?
2: Well, I think there's many monumental things, uh, which is pretty hard to narrow down, like we have the ancient Hellenistic uh, mosaics that are a part of my town. I believe very important architectural, significant building is the fortifications of the Venetian walls in Nicosia, the almost most perfect circular shape of fortification buildings, possibly in, in Europe which is actually something really great. And it's actually in between the two parts of Cyprus because Cyprus is still a divided country because of very complex political issues we have. And I think it kind of brings together the capital city of Nicosia because it's the only divided capital city in the world. And it's actually very important of how The architecture of the walls is now used so you can enter and go through the gates to the other part of the island. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important monumental ones. But we also have a lot of Hellenistic buildings uh, from antiquity. We have a lot of even modern architecture that's very important. We have the new Zaha Hadid Plaza, which is near the fortification walls. It's interesting to see this very modern interpretation of the city next to the very ancient Venetian walls, it's actually... I I can
0: actually imagine they, in a way, complement each other very well. I'm assuming that some of the older buildings might have had a little bit of renovation where new materials have been put in, and I can imagine that's made a drastic change, as in like, how people had seen it before and now yeah. for example if you had like the dry uh, stone walls and then you add glass into it the glass makes such a difference and I can imagine that's where it's like where you are.
2: Yeah it's actually it's, it's pretty uh, common now for uh, as I said before a lot of people are moving back to villages and they actually start renovating these old homes and they start putting new materials insulating better and putting, you know, very modern glass window. It's actually really nice to see the stark difference. It, it really complements it. And about the Zaha Hadid plaza, it's, it, it suits the area a lot because of how curvilinear it is. And it, it, it complements the, the circularity of the walls as well.
0: Okay. Also, you were saying about the two sides, which was the political spew. Am I correct? That's the Turkish invasion.
2: Yeah. So basically, I don't want to get into very political things, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's Cyprus is 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 a mess, kind of, because it's divided and it's a small country, but we are divided. And, you know, there's, there's also the Turkish Cypriot community, which, you know, is on the other side. But due to the invasion that happened in the 70s, they captured half of the island. We weren't able to go into the other part of the country for years now. And so kind of now that the walls are open, we can kind of see through the Venetian walls. It's like a gate, you know. So it's a very interesting piece of architecture for me.
0: Oh. oh, okay. That is interesting. Oh, fair. <laughs> and how about you, Tiago? Uh,
3: so I could have picked like lots of, of, of famous buildings, but I, I picked uh, one that's not in my city. It's a bit up in the north. It's it's actually a stadium. It's called the Stadium of Braga. That that's the other city I, I'm going to talk about. And I, I picked that one because I think it was like really uh, revolutionary by the time because all the the market uh, the trade market routes were focused on on the center of the city. And when they made like the this stadium that was made f- uh, by the same architect I talked about some minutes ago. It changed everything because the, the trade market routes were, were now like expanded and they made it possible for the city to grow a lot. It was like a big influence on it.
0: So, the stadium you were talking about, Stadium Praga, who designed that? Like, do you know which architects?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do. It's, it's called Eduardo Sotomora. He is oh. he, one of, if not, the best Portuguese architect in my opinion. Of course there are a lot of good <laughs> architects, but he's my favorite one.
4: Okay.
3: I, I actually met him once. <laughs> oh wow. That, okay. that was like a, a really funny story because I, I wasn't being able to talk to him because I I, I, I was too nervous for it. Yeah. Oh. That, yeah. That was like some months ago, I because my father owns a, a furniture shop, like a design furniture, a furniture shop. So I went to make a delivery for him, for the architect. And then I got there and I, I, was, I wasn't being able to talk to him because I was too nervous. But <laughs> it was really funny
1: yes oh, if, if you if after you graduate you have like a graduate job ready you can just drop into his house uh, no
3: i no don't think so
1: <laughs> i wish <laughs> i mean you said it before you might as well uh how has architecture like design elements evolved over time
2: well i mean cyprus is is a very ancient country like as i said before like it it started from the neolithic period and we had the you know the ancient greek empire so there's a lot of like um you know amphitheaters and that are you know of ancient greek style because you know we have different temples and stadiums from that period of time you know we had the ottoman empire that influenced greatly uh, the architecture as well and the Ven- the venetians we had the f- the franks but i think The most important ones were the the period of the British Empire because Cyprus was a British colony and there was a great influence in the architecture of Cyprus. The British initiated the urbanization of Cyprus. So before that, we didn't have roads. We literally traveled with monkeys. Sorry, no monkeys, uh, donkeys.
0: (laughs) I think you mean (laughs) donkeys. No, with
2: with donkeys. (laughs) Um, I got confused with the word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> There's still people in the in the village in the villages that uh, commute with uh, donkeys in the small roads. But you know, after the British Empire, during the British Empire, when we were a colony, we had this great urbanization and infrastructure. A lot of administrative and public and cultural buildings were built during that period, and the British were great admirers of ancient Greek architecture. So it was kind of a neoclassical interpretation of ancient architecture. So my school was, the school I used to go to was one of the, that was built during the British uh, rule. And it still is part of our culture in Cyprus. We still have a lot of British uh, people there as well. A lot of our systems, road systems are influenced by the British empire. And of course, after the war, we had a lot, a big boom of building, a big boom of uh, investment, let's say, and it was during a time of uh, modernism. So a lot of corporate styles came into fashion in Cyprus, and it was kind of like the universal aesthetic came to Cyprus as well.
0: So I've got a question to ask you. You are saying about the amphitheaters and stadiums. Are they open air stadiums and theaters or are some of them closed, you know, before balls uh, and
2: I'd imagine they they used to be a lot of closed ones, but because they were they're so ancient, they're only the, the ruin the ruins are remain. But we have we still have a lot of ancient ones that we still use, open open air ones that we still use for theatre. There's one, the Gurrio, which is in Limassol, and it's actually ginormous, and it sees the ocean, and it's actually, it's pretty amazing. If you stand in the middle, the whole stadium can hear you because of the way it's built, but it's an outdoor, so that's very interesting how an outdoor place can have such a good acoustic function, yeah
0: okay have you personally gone to these amphitheaters and have you personally performed at these amphitheaters because that would be quite interesting
2: uh i mean we've done some school plays uh, there's one near my school and you know we have loads of them and yeah they're still used today i mean we we play not me my friend who's in um in the theater society she plays a lot of greek tragedies in the actual theater amphitheaters which is actually pretty amazing to be able to do that because you know some of them are destroyed and you know the ones that remain we embrace them
0: that's actually beautiful yeah that is oh i mean i i love theater and acting and stuff like that and you just saying that it's just like touched my heart it was like oh that's beautiful.
2: <laughs> it's a big part of the architecture here. So,
3: yeah.
0: Oh, fair. And how about you, Tiago?
3: So, just said before, I, I basically basically think that modern architecture is now taking over and that this is like a new step in evolution. Uh, but I I do believe that Portuguese architecture, for it to exist, it was influenced by many cultural movements that really influenced, along the years, the evolution of the Portuguese architecture, but, but now it's everything coming to, to modernism and, and this new style of, of making buildings.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair, fair. How did your country manage to preserve these ancient architectures throughout the history, especially as you mentioned before, Antonios, with the amphitheaters and stadiums and how, you know, it was used quite a lot back then in the in the old times?
2: Well, as I said before, we still try to use them and be part of our modern architecture. So it's like a continuation of history. And uh, I think There's a lot of conservation programs happening, especially like, as I said, my school is from the uh, British empire and it's from that period. I mean, so, but we're still using it. it is not shut down and it's not a museum. So we're not scared of, you know, it's gonna, it's brittle and we have to preserve it um, to big extents because from our our, our eyes in our culture is still continuing so there are programs of course but it's for us to preserve means to use still by using those spaces we're preserving them
0: and like because you're still using them like they still have that that use of functionality which which actually will be helpful for preserving them fair
1: oh fair since you said like your school was like a british architecture so was it like a built to be a school by the british or the function has like changed over the years
2: it was meant to be a school but it's not it's very neoclassical so there's the classical order of the columns of the doriges you know the doric columns and it still has um it's a it was meant to be a school and it's still used as a school and my dad went there my grandma went there and it's uh, it, it's still used today yeah there there have been there's been an extension to the particular school but even the new the new part of it still has the columns but more minimal so yeah we i think architects in Cyprus are very careful to instill the historic background
0: you were talking about the british colony you know when they did their time in cyprus Is there any specific English elements that are seen in your architecture in Cyprus? Because you were saying about the Doric columns, but is there any more which relates back to to England?
2: I think there is quite a lot, uh, especially more in the mountainous area where there is snow in the winter and it does get cold. I think the British did a great job of showing their typology of architecture into Cyprus. So we do have pitched roofs with slates in the mountains and we have a very good insulated houses up in the mountains as well. And I think a lot of the technological and material methods have been instilled. And as I said, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of bridges we have, a lot of roads are very, british like we drive on the left as well and on the on yeah on the left as well wait is it the left i'm a bit yeah. dyslexic so yeah. i don't know yeah
0: we're on the left i was gonna say you other countries are on the right you're, you're doing it wrong you're all wrong <laughs> yeah we drive on the
1: left as well sorry <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: are you are you a lefty driver or are you a
3: right no no i'm not <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh,
2: no.
0: <laughs> <Old for now. laughs>
2: nah. all part of the commonwealth so that's why it, it, it is big there is a big big influence in in cyprus
1: um, and do you think like the environmental factors will affect the ruins and the structure and how like the environment is changing every day so will it like if it gets more warmer will it affect the ruins and the previous like the structures and yeah. stuff
2: I don't know how concerned the Cypriot government is. I'm very concerned about that because when I was younger, it used to be, you know, very hot summers and mild winters, but now it's gone extremely hot summers and very cold winters. So the environment has changed within a period of my lifespan. So I don't know. I think in the future it will get worse. And I don't think it's a big thing that Cypriot architects are thinking about but I believe it's something that the new generation of architects going to Cyprus, we need to think about it because it actually will destroy all this history we have. And it's kind of sad because we've kept all this historic historical architecture for so long for it to just be destroyed due to climate change.
1: And also like you were mentioning about like how Cyprus has like, they use it as a preservation. So you use the building as preservation. So if I go in as a foreigner, Am I open to go in and see the buildings and experience it or am I just not allowed?
2: No, of course, everyone, everyone. I mean, in my school, we had a lot of tourists thinking it was a museum. (laughs) So they would literally come in and, you know, teachers would be like, this is a school. (laughs) Oh! I can, uh,
0: I can imagine like you're in a classroom with like you know on your table
2: happened before.
0: And, and like you know some tourists just open the door thinking oh yeah this is going to be one of the you know exhibit <laughs> and turns out it's just a room for a yeah. of children I can just imagine you looking at them being like why why, oh. why are you here <laughs> oh,
1: probably with <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of cameras <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly all the time it happens all the time but of course I mean, In Cyprus, we generally have this hospitality aspect in our culture. So we do like to showcase our architecture. We do like to invite people in. And we're a very touristic place as well. Cyprus economy is, is based on tourism. So it's a big, big part. We want people to come in. We want more foreign students. We want more multicultural. Because we are a multicultural country throughout history. We have so many influences that... You know, shaped what Cyprus is today.
4: Oh, fair.
0: And how about you, Tiago? Especially with like the Gothic cathedrals and all that, because that is pretty historic in general.
3: Yeah. in In that case, we we try to preserve the buildings because if they're they're important, we try to keep them as a touristic building. But usually, we don't try to to preserve all, all buildings. You know. If if it falls, that's another one will will come after that one. It was meant to fall, maybe.
4: Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but usually if they're like important or historically important, they don't don't let that that happen, of course. But yeah, but they're all open to everyone, and everyone can visit them. There's no restrictions about that.
0: So the ones that. Are worthy of being saved. If something... (laughs) I I hope I'm using the right term, but if something, you know, if a problem was found and, you know, it it got to the point where there's nothing you can do about it, like, would you, as you have said, with the other buildings, you know, if they fall, they fall, we'll just build another one. Would that happen with them really important buildings that are to be preserved?
3: No, no, probably not. That happened before, actually. There, there was a, a church that, that was destroyed along the years. And, and they remade it. They made it all over again, just like it was before.
1: Oh, so you built it to look exactly like the old yeah.
3: one? Yeah. It was
1: like the materials like, used the same. Or... Yeah,
3: the same materials. Everything's the same.
1: Did it have the same
0: feeling of, you know, when you go into the old one compared to the new
3: one? <laughs> I've never been into the old one, because when I was oh. born, they're already in the new one. But if it, it felt good, I don't know, it felt genuine. I, I don't think it was, like, artificial at all.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I did wonder if it felt like, as you said, artificial, because there's that, you know, if you go to a certain space and they've mimicked that Pacific, and you go in there, and sometimes you're like, yeah, it, it doesn't feel the same and i did kind of wonder if that would have been the same thing but if it felt as you said genuine and didn't really notice it, said then that's fair fair yeah, enough yeah if,
3: if no one told me that that was a remake i, I wouldn't have known <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i can imagine also tourists um wouldn't know as well but they wouldn't notice
3: Yeah, sometimes accidents happen and and they just remake stuff. That's like the only way to do it.
1: (laughs) Oh, fair. Oh, fair. Fair, fair. So, reacting to communities, so tell us about how the architecture or interiors are inclusive of all age groups and how they come together to form a community.
2: Well, to be in Cyprus, we have this, a lot of uh, family culture type of thing. So a lot of Cypriot classical homes will have, you know, the central hall, which has, um is very inclusive for all the family. And we have a lot of verandas because we, we usually are outdoors. And uh, it's in the verandas where the family or, you know, friends will join together. And also it's, I, I want to emphasize the outdoors as well, because it's mostly, we spend our time mostly outdoors. So we have outdoor kitchens sometimes with traditional ovens, uh, which is a very uh, traditional thing in Cyprus. And and traditionally, you know, showers used to be outside of the house and, you know, we would have livestock and farming. Like my grandfather used to have a farm in the house, literally. <laughs> and um <laughs> he grew up with uh like animals in his <laughs> in his home like wow um, chickens and goats and sheep and did they, you know, did they have it's... their
0: own bedrooms by any chance
2: well, <laughs> my great grandfather not really but my grandfather i think so <laughs> but i mean <laughs>
1: that's so interesting
4: <laughs> oh. so, <laughs> like, it, it sounds really weird but you just said
0: that and i was just thinking oh, i've heard of this before but on a boat
4: not yeah. in a house
2: like <laughs> I, I feel like i'm sounding like uh, borat but i'm being serious <laughs> <laughs> I, um my my grandfather he used to live he, the animals would be inside the house as well it would be like you know it's it's how the traditional houses used to be in the villages now Now it's not, this is not happening now, but I mean, the traditional ways and homes and dwellings, but it it was always family oriented and very inclusive for everyone. And the outdoors, like even I, as a kid, used to play a lot in the neighborhoods. We don't have a lot of, you know, man-made parks like in the UK or overseas, but in Cyprus, we have a lot of, uh, we just, you know, Go outside and be in nature because there's not a lot of uh, in the in the rural areas. It's not as much built uh, as in the city. But um, you know now it's changing, and I believe in the future we're gonna become more urbanized, and less village-like. <laughs> but I think because it's something coming together, something very important in the culture. Uh, we'll still have find we'll find a way of preserving that within the architecture
1: like you said you had like uh, all the farms in your house so would you say uh, you grew up in a very big houses
2: i didn't have a farm in my house my, my,
1: okay
2: yeah just to clarify that i mean can
0: i also Sorry,
1: I yeah, just go. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to say, I remember, and I know you were joking when we were having this conversation in studio over Zoom with Catherine. And I remember you were saying it's a joke that you have a swimming pool in yeah. so- <laughs> yeah. and also you have a cinema in your garage. <laughs> I mean, this house is going
1: to be a big house show just for um, like you know <laughs> yeah, um, like in like instagrams and stuff they show like the outdoor showers and stuff and it's so exotic and but antonius he has grew up with outdoor showers and it's not. <laughs> it's a common thing
2: no i mean on the traditional uh, houses in, don't don't i'm not talking about the like the glamorous modern ways but traditionally showers used to be out, outdoors and the oven used to be outside and they would cook outside a lot. So it wasn't as glamorous as it sounds, but um, <laughs> it, 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 it's because of the heat as well. And in Cyprus, actually, I've read it somewhere online that we have a lot of big houses for how many people live in them. So I think that's a thing maybe. But yeah, it's it's very nature centric the way of living in Cyprus, not so much, uh, uh, again, in the city, uh, more and more people are moving in the city as well. So this dynamic is very changing. But traditionally, it was very nature focused, very animal uh, with your farm. Um, you know, as I said, my grandpa, he, he was living with animals. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's part of the tradition to be together.
1: But how do you feel like being here in such a tiny houses compared to that oh Greek, to Cyprus houses? How's like your feeling about it?
2: Yeah, it's it's different compared to the the UK. It has, you know, housing needs. So the housing is obviously going to be smaller and there's less space to, to have housing. Uh, in Cyprus, not so much. But I believe in the future, we will move towards this type of architecture of small spaces and it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad but it's different and also we don't have uh, high-rises we, we're just starting now to build in uh, Limassol but it's usually no high-rise yeah
0: you're saying that you are seen like the tiny spaces as like the new future would you say that would be more adequately for like individual use meaning that it's not going to be for like big families Mm. and more for tiny families i'm assuming like in cyprus you tend to have big families but is that like decreasing it's like they're not as big as they were
2: yeah i've actually seen a study about this and in in cyprus we used to be big families. so my grandfather had like eight siblings but I, i have three But it's increasingly getting lower. So, yes, I do believe it's going to be more individualistic as it's urbanizing more. And I think that's a global effect that happens to every country that develops. And we're slowly getting there. But I feel like for Cyprus, like as a future architect, I don't want it to be to evolve in this individualistic way. I I like, you know, living with people. It doesn't need to be a big family, but having these communities. Uh, should be something that Cyprus should focus on because it's in the Cypriot culture to inhabit spaces where there's people around.
4: Fair,
0: fair. I can actually imagine that, actually. Definitely, because that's kind of like a Greek thing because Greeks are, you know, tend to be big families. And, you know, so I feel like there is that bit of connection.
2: They, now that they build houses with flat roofs and they leave the columns up so to, so in case they want to extend the house to put another house on top for the for the sons or daughters
4: <laughs> wow no.
2: so it's a big trend you find a lot of houses that have they're flat and they have uh, columns on top so
4: <laughs> wow
2: like my big fat greek wedding have you seen the movie
4: <laughs> kind yes. of like
2: that <laughs> kind of oh, ridiculous wow. but it's happening a lot
0: I mean, why not? At least the families are closer together. I mean, they're not having to travel far. There's, or...
2: there's a
3: drawbacks and benefits to that, but yeah.
0: I oh, fair. And how about you, Tiago?
3: I actually can relate to some stuff Antonio said, like to the to the tiny houses here in England. It's, it's really different because I, I, I am also used to live in a, a bigger house and it was a, a big difference. Compared to here, and also to the the part that families are starting to get smaller and stuff like that. Yeah, m- my grandmother also has like eight siblings, so wow. <laughs> yeah, I only have two, so oh that's a, a big improvement, I guess. But that's uh, that's how we, we say in Portugal. There w- there was no television at the time, so they had to do something, <laughs> so they had children. <laughs>
0: I can I can I could just imagine we're all, you know, happy and grateful that we do have these technologies like TV, computers, Netflix.
4: Oh yeah.
3: I don't relate to the animals though. I only have cats and dogs. <laughs> I think that that that's not as cool, but but we we do have uh, lots of community spaces. Uh, they're usually like outside spaces that people go to, to hang out with their friends, with their families, and schools go there too. They, they bring the kids and stuff. When talking about inside space, like buildings, I, I think the buildings are they're prepared to, to every kind of person or to every age, or they try to adapt to it, like adding ramps and stuff like that. They always try to adapt to... To, to situations you know
0: to so like the needs yeah of yeah the the community I guess. yeah depending yeah. on the
3: needs they try to adapt if, if the building's not ready for that if the building's old they always try to add some stuff like museums and stuff uh, they're they're old buildings and they're not prepared for people who need ramps and and they add them for them yeah that's okay nice.
4: that's
0: good. So to conclude this interview, what are some of the characteristics and design elements that you want to bring, you know, from your area to your projects that you'll be doing in university and maybe in the future when you do a professional career in it?
1: And also I would like to add, um, what are the things that is currently in your country after you graduate would like you would like to improve uh, architecturally?
2: i definitely want to like from from last last year one of my projects i i used the material it was the limestone actually the untreated limestone and the way of binding i tried to replicate the the ones that are traditional to cyprus and it's actually something that i i really feel at home with and it's mostly the materiality of it because it's It's so untreated and so rough that it it looks beautiful to me. But also the simplicity of architecture, like, you know, simple and functional, you know, well lit, well ventilated. Just uh, the the ability to fit in within nature and within the surrounding around. That's one of the characteristics I I definitely want to bring to my architecture. I don't know where I'll be in the future, but if I go back to Cyprus, i definitely wanna, you know, try to continue this continuation of, from ancient architecture to continue to the future and bring a lot of climate aware and create architecture that's, you know, climate sensitive, so we don't destroy what we already have. And, you know, be very careful on how, um, you know, the spaces, I design, will interact with uh, existing places and surroundings and yeah.
1: How about you, Tiago?
3: So about the characteristics to bring, I've already tried to bring some, but I, <laughs> I don't think England would be like a great place to bring characteristics from Portugal because I've tried it and because we had a project that we had to make a kindergarten and that oh. one I, I tried, I made like lots of outside spaces. And when I got, went to Catherine, she was like, oh, th- you can't think like that. This is, this is not Portugal. It rains a lot here. You can't make outside spaces for children like that. And I was like, that, that's true. So uh, depending on the situations, I don't think you can bring a lot from Portugal to here.
0: Oh, yeah. oh bless. Oh, bless. I mean, I, I know from experience that, that project was was another story, I'll say. It was one thing <laughs> after another, and I'm going to
4: ask everyone
0: here in this conversation. <laughs> I've, I've actually got another question to ask you guys. Now you're both here in the UK and not in your, your areas, is there anything particular that you felt that was very disconnected? Like, for example, when I first interviewed May and Julia, they were saying about how we have small windows and not, you know, they, they, they used to have big windows and we got really small and they're like, why? And also when we did an interview with Omar and Howard, they were saying about how thin our walls are and how trustworthy we are, which is actually a very good point. Was there anything particular that you've picked up?
2: I guess there's a lot of things. Architecturally, I can think of the windows as well. So I, I booked for a student accommodation here. And when I came to visit in the summer, I just wanted to go and see it. And I saw the window wasn't even opening. It was just, you know, a, a little bit. Oh, yeah, and that was great. It was so small as well. I I, I, suffoc- <laughs> I get suffocated very easily. And, you know, I'm used to having like huge windows that can open and be with the outside. And so I, I was like, I can't live here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I booked another one that had a proper window you <laughs> had the rails but it was at least opening like a window and uh, that was a big factor for me but at the same time I've, I've, I found a lot of things I, I could relate because you know Portsea, uh, Portsmouth is it's an island and it's a sea it has a lot of sea around it and for me I just visited Leicester and I, I, I felt a bit suffocated because when I look outside the window, I'm so used to seeing the horizon of the sea. And that's something I, I really love here in Portsmouth and I feel at home with, I can see the sea. <laughs> and so for me, that's very calming. Yeah, that's, that's my experience, to be honest. Oh,
1: fair, that's I absolutely connect with Antonius about the horizon of the sea because I grew up around the sea. And i that's the only thing I connect to home. And yeah. it's like the calming zone for me. And yeah, the sea definitely. always reminds me of home.
0: Oh, definitely. <laughs> I actually like that connection with the yeah. sea and how it brings you back into that happy place. I love that. Just, just a question as well to you, Antonius. Are you surprised that we don't we don't have any animals inside houses? <laughs>
4: uh,
0: <laughs> you do you do have dogs. <laughs> I mean, you have dogs and you have cats, but yeah. you don't have goats or. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm not I'm not so surprised because I mean I, I can see why <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but uh, uh, hear you're very uh, you love your dogs and pets. I think in the UK it's it's very you know. In Cyprus, is more like we grew, we grew them up so we can eat them. <laughs> and, oh. and so that, that's a big difference oh. we have. <laughs> so evil, but I promise not.
0: <laughs> no, no. I, I actually love that because it just reminds me of why cows are my favorite animals for two reasons. One, I think they're beautiful, like they're yeah. absolutely beautiful, especially their eyes. And second... They taste absolutely delicious.
4: So, <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Sorry,
0: sorry. And uh, how about you, Thiago? <laughs> <laughs> when
3: I when I came to England, the, one of the first things I noticed is that uh, first I I lived in a, a small village in the countryside, <laughs> so I I was used to know everybody. That, nears, uh, that lives nearby me so I just went to the street and I, I knew everyone I just said hello, hello and I, because I knew everyone and here that doesn't happen but architecturally speaking uh, one thing that I, I I still can't handle it really well is that the houses all look the same <laughs> it's like if it, if it was the same architect to make every house in England and that that is so weird I don't know <laughs> I, I was not used to that
0: I, I actually kind of get what you mean actually with that because like places where i've i have lived before and you're trying to look for that certain house luckily we've got numbers but <laughs> some places won't have numbers so i can imagine you know you're just looking around be like which one is <laughs> yeah
2: that happened to me of that is it is a regulation for houses to look the same because for me it was also a very strange <laughs>
0: I don't think there's a regulation. I think it's, to me, say it's that kind of uniform that creates that British
4: yeah. style
0: of architecture. But that's just me saying it. I actually don't know. So, but I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna find that out. Um, I'll be, I'll be a couple of seconds. To still carry on. Still carry. On. I'm just gonna. Are you gonna find it? Though? I'm. I'm gonna find out
1: why yeah. do
0: houses <laughs> in.
1: Because okay. earlier I used to find how like when I moved in first, and uh, my father came here to drop me. Like we used to go around to in, like to get residence permit and stuff, and they used to be like, "Oh, go to post office." And we uh, started walking, and we were like, "Oh, we just walk this street, but no, it's the other street, but it still looks the same." <laughs>
4: That's so true. That's so true. <laughs>
1: it's like I'm yeah. oh, going in circles, but it's like it's
0: the other street, but it's still the same street. <laughs> I have got the answer. I have Thank God for Google. Thank you, Google. I knew you'd come in handy. <laughs> it's because it's cheaper for the builder to build the same house over and over than to build different homes each time, which actually does make sense. Yeah. You're using the same foundations. You're using the same material.
2: And also it's because it's been tested and done so much. It's, like, reliable for the yeah. weather and... It so is. So you
1: basically buy houses, you don't buy the land. Oh what, is that here in England? Yeah. You can buy plots of land,
0: but normally if you was like wanting to buy a house, you just buy a house, which already wow. will have its own garden as like its plot of land, but wouldn't get anything bigger.
2: Wait, if, so it comes with the land?
0: If, if it comes with like a garden, then you can say that is your property.
2: So but... you're allowed to demolish it and rebuild if you want to.
1: I don't think you can <laughs> demolish like the houses that are like next to each other. Yeah, because sometimes they're connected. The you can't demolish, oh. but you can you can add like extensions, like semi-detached or detached houses that you can demolish. And I mean, it,
2: yeah, if it's a detached, you probably. Yeah.
1: but I think like if you're, it's like you're sharing with neighbors, no. Wow, I really enjoyed that. I actually
0: love how you were saying, Antonios, about the drywall, and that you don't have to use binding or anything. I need to find that on the website and actually see that. <laughs> but how <laughs> <know> you texture? <laughs>
1: So for me, I had a mini tour of Cyprus and Portugal and obviously one day I would like to live in Cyprus and for Portugal, I would like to go there and visit in trams. I always wanted to go Portugal and like go around in trams and Lisbon and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely had no clue about Cyprus, but I want to go Cyprus. i have like... Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. i have farms in my house i want it (laughs) i want to have big house now outdoor (laughs)
4: showers
1: yeah i want to live that instagram live
0: something that i also found very interesting about this interview that both of you had said which was actually now thinking about it It is something where I don't think we ever think about before and it's the idea that you guys would usually have big families but with like low climate and global it's getting smaller and smaller if this is happening what's it going to be like in 50 years time well this has been a very entertaining (laughs) (laughs) i have done so far So thank you, guys. Thank you, Antonio Santiago, for joining us. Really enjoyed you guys sharing us, your experience. And for people that are listening, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out on our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for more information on past lectures, activities, and podcasts. And yeah, have a good night. Stay safe.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having us.